0: Hey, everyone. This is Eric Stewart from Fishing Fanatics, and I got an awesome guest here, Daniel Ramsey, who was born and raised in Trinidad, Texas, and now is competing in the nine open tournaments for Bassmaster EQ. So how you doing, Daniel? I'm doing good, Eric. How are you? I'm doing good. Do you want Danny or Daniel? Danny's fine. All right. Danny, Daniel. Daniel's my government name. Gotcha, Danny. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit before this, and I know you sent over some notes, too. And I just want you to tell your story about how you got into bass fishing, because I think it's uh, kind of interesting.
1: Well, I'll tell you, my dad my dad started him out when I was really young. Uh, probably three, four years old. Now, I started... Mm-hmm. Bass fishing, even more, because it was, you know, anything that would bite as a kid. You take a kid fishing, you try to catch anything. By six years old, I was throwing a baitcaster. And at six years old, I caught my first fish on a soft plastic. And from that day forward, I can take you back to the exact spot. The tree rotted away, but there was a tree lay down in the lake here at Cedar Creek. And I could take you back to the exact spot where I threw up there and caught my first soft soft plastic fish, uh, black bass, on Cedar Creek. So that's, that's really how I got started. And then I, he, he kept me fishing and, and it pretty much kept me out of trouble. Of course, as I got into my teenage years, but starting
0: about 12, 13, I started tournament bass fishing and have never looked
1: back since.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I, and I was looking at your notes too. And you started tournament bass fishing with your dad. Is that right? Yes, sir. That's got it. Yeah, be- there was a little a big
1: bass tournament here up here uh, that they run every year. And he'd take
0: me to it, sign me up as a youth, and we would start fishing. We started fishing doing that. That's how I got my first start. That's got to be awesome because I, I fish a lot with my dad too. We still go out and like we don't fish any bass tournaments because honestly, neither of us are good enough. But um, and we like like fishing for fun. But it's got to be cool that your dad and you kind of had that same shared experience of getting started in the bass um fishing tournament like competitively, and then now. You're at the EQ. You're at the opens fishing for Bassmaster. It's got to feel pretty cool. Oh, it's, it's really cool. I, I guarantee you, there's no bigger supporter. Uh, my mom and my dad they
1: they they push me as a as a young, young kid and as a teenager and then to this day, you know, my, whenever I talk to my mom, the first thing she said or before she ever gets off the phone, the first the last thing she says is catch a whale. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, they're real involved there's there. They actually live about, I don't know, two miles north of me. I left, went to college, came back, got a job down here. And then, I, I mean, I continued, I continued turning my
0: fishing while I was in college. It probably hurt my grades a little bit, but <laughs> that's part of it, I think. Did they have um college fishing back when you were going to school or now? They did
1: not. If they did, I probably would have ended up a lot better off than I am, you know, a lot better than mm-hmm. than the great to I mean, it's not because have an associate's degree and then I'm actually about, and I'll probably end up fishing or finishing at some point. I'm six, six classes away from my bachelor's degree.
0: Yeah. You can get that really but easy. I'm fishing Bassmaster EQ. So, I mean, it's busy, busy right now. That is a crazy time suck. And I was interviewing a couple of guys that are also doing the same thing as you. And I know last year you fished two divisions. And this year, it's a yes. whole different format, right? You got to fish all—I believe it's nine tournaments across the country. Um, that change—how did that kind of sway? Were you like when they came out with that? Were you like, mm, I don't know if I want to do this; it's a huge time commitment, or were you like all for it and like? I never—not. I, I knew it was going to be more money and more commitment, more time away
1: from family, everything. And and I'll tell you, another big supporter of mine is my wife, and. Whenever I told her that they were going to a to the to the nine tournament EQ series, she was like, "Okay, you're doing it right." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm doing it. I just want to run it by you." And then uh, uh we got signed up. I mean, it's it's it definitely is a, a larger time commitment, a larger time away from family, a lot of traveling. Uh, there's, I don't know. I mean, there's ups and downs. You 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 get, I wouldn't say tired. You get a little wore out. And you really, you have to mentally stay into it because you do miss family a lot. I'm not my family guy. I've been a family guy all my life. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely different, but I'm hoping to get to a point at some point where the wife can quit and maybe start traveling with me.
0: Yeah, That'd be the goal too. Right. And you got uh, a two two younger kids, right? One's like 17 and one's in high school. Uh, No, one is a, one is in the, he's fixing to get out in August. He's been in there for almost four years.
1: He's a, He's twenty two. He's in he's stationed out of Hawaii. Boy, that's a tough time. But yeah, I mean, he was a, he was a submariner. He was a crypto tech. I'm like I've never known what he's ever done. But then the other one is uh, seventeen. He's a, now a senior after you know graduation was two nights ago. So the seniors moved out. And he moved up into the senior position. He's a he's already signed a late entry into the Marine Corps. Gotcha. Awesome. And so he's he's been going to workouts already with with Marines and Tyler here. Getting in shape. Oh, he's already in shape. He he probably can't outrun me in the short distance. He probably can't outrun me long distance. Yeah, he'll blow me away.
0: You got him in a sprint. You
1: think? Yeah, <laughs> I got him. I got him in a sprint. I promise you. I love
0: it. I love it. So, uh, Danny, we were talking before this too, and I kind of hinted at the um, desk on your wall, which we'll get to in a little bit, in the story behind that. But um, okay. first, let's let's talk about Texas fishing because being from Pennsylvania and Philadelphia area it's one of those spots in Texas in general where it's like, if you go down there, you're going to catch a big bass, whether it be Lake Fork or your home lake. Tell me a little bit about the fishing down there and the bodies of water down there, but then also the community too, that's around there.
1: Well, it's, I live in small town, Texas, small town, USA. Let's put it that way. I mean, we're, we're a six man town, so it's definitely small man, small, six man football. Let me rephrase this, six man football. So it's definitely small town, but man, I'm, I'm right stacked right in the middle of a lot of lakes in East Texas. I told you which ones. I mean, there was there's Fort, Richland, Palestine, Cedar Creek, uh, Fairfield, which is actually, I think, closing. But uh there is every type of fishing that you could want down here. You can fish grass, you can fish Cedar Creek's nothing but docks and brush piles that people have put out, you know, some tires here and there, and then Richland's a bunch of timber, sports, timber, it used to be grass, but there is a Ton of different ways to learn to fish in this area, which has helped me, I think, along the way. Now I've got to, I'm, I'm having to learn some new techniques uh, that on the on the on the EQ trail to try to try to to brush up on those to get a little better at. But it's taught me a, a ton of different ways to be able to fish and and be a will be a more well rounded angler. Uh, Community wise, man, I've got. I've got the support of my, my whole town. I mean, everybody, I think almost everybody follows me on, on, uh, on my Facebook, you know, you know, I was telling you Instagram and YouTube's up and coming, but, uh, yeah, my Facebook stuff They're they're following me and, and pushing me and, and all of that support you wouldn't, it's, it's, it's crazy. The support I get around here and, and granted, I'm not doing great in the EQs yet. Uh, but I feel I'm learning more, gaining more knowledge, uh learning more how to break lakes down, and I'm inching my way up a little bit closer. I mean, I was nine ounces from a check at Wheeler, so
0: I was like, golly, why couldn't have done it? But it's just wasn't the time yet. And Wheeler was a crazy tournament. I mean, I've talked to a few guys on here about that, and you know, Luke Palmer in past episodes who won it, and it's... <laughs> That that whole tournament was nuts. The amount of fish that you guys were catching out there and like the weather too that was going on. Um, that experience, what, what was that tournament like? That was uh
1: everybody hears about the Decatur flats. And uh man, I spent two days on those flats practicing and had like one fish. Had a couple more bites, but one fish. At that point, I was done I mean I marked a lot of stuff that should have had fish now I know I was probably throwing the wrong thing I went up the river tried that caught a bunch of rats went down down the lake down past the nuclear power plant and started hammering some fish caught a five in practice caught a five largemouth four and a half smallmouth uh found a couple of spots that I knew that I could catch some good fish on and stuck with that especially on thursday thursday i ended up you know I, was th- I, I had 1309 and 1310 both days so uh i upgraded one ounce the next day it felt better but and it is what it is i went down and caught my limit. i was by myself noah co-angler on thursday and got that done uh had 1309 pretty much throwing shaky head wacky rig uh and uh nico rig gotcha then Friday rolls around, have a co angler. I told him what we we're going to do. We went down there, and my co angler, man, he throws a square bill up there. And I hadn't even chunked a square bill up in this little corner that I had and had a little rock ledge in it. And man, he hammered out three fish, I had one about three, one of them, three and a half pound smallmouth right quick. I had one fish in the boat, which is fine. I mean, I've, I've done that numerous times, but the wind just had a position where he was making, he could, make, he could make better casts because the wind was howling into that corner I was fishing. I ended up catching another one there and then moved on to another spot that i found. And this was 8.30. Sun was already up. And I started chunking a buzzbait. And I chunked a buzzbait across some grass. And a four and a half nailed it. So that kick started my day a little bit better. And uh, ended up filling out my limit in that cut. And I should have moved there. have should have. Always woulda, coulda, shoulda, and I, if I'd have moved, I think, 30 minutes to an hour earlier, I'm, I went back to the Decatur Flats because I knew there was a lot of fish being caught up there, especially when you drive by and you see three or four pods of 20 to 25 boats in one spot, you know, and I'm like, man, I've got some spots marked up there. I ought to go check that, and you know, because I've got to do something to get bumped up, get that kicker fish, so We took off, we had about a 25 minute run back up there. We got out on the flats again and I had this spot that's low, it's just a low depression in those flats out there and the grass cleared out a little bit and there was some stumps scattered up through there for about a 200 yard stretch. I started hitting those stumps, throwing a a wobble head with a black and blue sticko on it, a Bass Pro Shop sticko. And every stump I threw to, I was getting a hit, culled three times ended up getting 1310 and ended up in 45th place on this last turn. I'm a, I'm, I'm there. So. All
0: right. And then I, you know, one thing I was always wondering about, I've never really looked into it, but, um, the co-anglers, do they just get like assigned to you or, um, do you get to kind of pick and choose being like, I want to fish with this guy or. No, we, we can't pick and choose. Okay. So we all sign up on registration
1: on, uh, Wednesday, uh, usually Wednesday and listed to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday tournament. We have already had one of those this year, but I think that's, I think that may have been the last one. Uh, we all sign up, and then Bass takes the co-anglers and randomly draws them for anglers all the way down from you know top to bottom. Now there was only half the amount of co-anglers as there were anglers, so half the field on Thursday did not have a co-angler. Same on Friday. So what happens is usually is they they're scattered out like every other angler, and then the next day they just move them down one spot, which goes to a, a somebody that didn't have a co So it moves them all down one spot, puts them into, a, a, into another boat with another with another boat. Gotcha. So it's just pretty much, you know, it's bass that takes care of all that. And they just send us texts and stuff letting us know, you know, contact information of the, co- the co-anger we'll have or whether we don't have one that day. Business owners and marketing professionals in the Philly area. Bad Rhino takes the overwhelm out of digital marketing. With tailored digital marketing services, from social media management to SEO and PPC advertising, our expert team navigates the complexities of the digital ad space for your business. Let Bad Rhino lead you to success. Visit BadRhinoInc.com and let's take your business to new heights. Bad Rhino, we do digital marketing so you don't have to.
0: Have you ever been in a tournament where like your co angers is kind of crushing it? And you were like, uh, you know what? You, you can, you can go ahead first, see what you can do, see what you can pull out of this spot real quick or now. Nah.
1: I tell you what, I was on, uh, it was Ross Barnett last year and we pulled up on this little spot. I, I caught a couple of fish there the day before, uh, nothing big, but man, I wasn't on a whole lot cause man, that water is muddy and, uh. We pulled up and there was some grass, some pepper grass out there. And my co said, man, did you see them? You see them shatting? I was like, yeah, I see them. I said, but nothing hitting them. He said, no, oh, look below the surface. I was, And I was already past a little bit, done fish around it. And I was like, you see a fish throw? Get him!" And I just power pulled down. It kind of got me in an odd position because I'm facing away from it. There's a stopper straight up beside me. He throws in there. And by the time I get a skinny dipper tied on, this guy has nine pounds in the boat with three fish. With a skinny dipper and I'm like, wow. So I raised the fire poles I turned the boat a little bit so I could cast it a little better, <laughs> but I didn't, you know, I didn't push him out or anything. He still sat there and he cold like once or twice. I end up catching one, I think one or two more, but man, I'm just, that was something that I had to learn was, you know, it's a little swim bait,
0: swim bait fish. I I'd, I'd never done much of that here in Texas. So. It's one of the, it's one of the newer tactics probably right swim bait fishing and um I, i'm big into like the paint domestic market like handmade kind of glide baits um oh yeah but yeah, yeah. i know you guys probably got a ton of that down that's there. something i'm trying that's something i'm trying to learn is the god glide,
1: the if glide i've been starting to catch here, you know like athens a little small lake down the road from me and, and i can i can get out there and catch it i just got to be able to transition to larger lakes this was a this is a, definitely a lot smaller lake but yeah the, the swim bait thing it hasn't probably in the last 10 years it's really taken off
0: yeah it's kind of nuts i am um, i'm a part of all those facebook groups like swimbait universe swimbait underground and it's pretty cool to see with fish people catch on these like giant baits you would never think but it's pretty cool yeah um, yeah
1: you get 12 12 inch big old big old swim baits and you'll catch a 12 inch fish sometimes on <laughs> which is crazy
0: i it at the local river just like a, a bait that i was like honestly i'm fishing for musky probably but like just tossing it in there and then like it it's probably like a 12-inch smallmouth comes up and bites it. And I'm like, what? That doesn't even make sense. Like, why would that fish even Not at bite? all. They're just really <laughs> aggressive. They are, man. They are. So, all right. Let's talk about that fish on the wall that you have there. And I believe it is a shared lunker. Now, you caught this fish one time and it weighed 12 pounds, 6, 5 ounces. 12.65. 12.65. Yeah. And then you caught it a year and five days later and it weighed 13 pounds, 7, uh, seven ounces. So yeah, it was 1307, 1307. right out with 13 pounds, one, almost one ounce. I think gotcha.
1: if you calculate it out, it's like one ounce.
0: Yeah. So that shared Lunker, tell me about that story. Cause that's kind of nuts to catch the same fish. Um, it is. Uh, I was
1: fishing media individual in 2020 and, uh, I pulled up to this dog. Dock. This dog's got about 16, 17 foot off the end of, it. it's got some brush and I chunked my shaky head that I make up under there and was working it back out and got a hit set the hook and i started fighting i knew this fish was big and she never jumped so i didn't know exactly how big and fought her got her up there at one point i was thinking it was a catfish because she wasn't jumping but got her up to the top net and i'm like oh my gosh so i called the tournament director i like hey uh you mind if i come weigh this thing i don't want to keep it in the live well all day it's a big fish he's like yeah come on so I took off up there, and I waited her, and she ended up weighing 1265. Well, right then, right there, I've already got one fish for the day. I've got four more to go. So I release her, and release her four and a half miles away from where I had caught her. Went back, finished out my limit, 28-pound sack for the day. Fast forward, and I won the tournament. Uh, fast forward one year, five days later, in 2021, and I go back in the same tournament. On the same dock, the same dock stall, same dock pulls, I caught her off of the first time. And I flip a mark pack jig in there, working it out, got a hit, set the hook and knew I had a good fish again. Never in my dreams would I have dreamed that I have had this same fish on. Fought her to the top, she never jumped, netted her, put her in the live well. sitting there thinking to myself, there's no way this is happening. And, uh, called the turbo director again. He, and the first thing I said, I was like, Hey, I need to come weigh this fish. He said, you serious again? I'm like, yeah, again. So I went up there and we weighed her and she weighed 1307 and which qualifies for, uh, legacy longer, uh, legacy share longer here. It takes Parks and Wildlife, the fishery center here in Athens where the share longer program runs out of. And we called them up. We took pictures right quick, put her in the bat of water. You know, tried to take care of her until the lunker truck got there. When they got there, of course, they took the picture. The picture you see me there standing in front of the, I sent you that's in front of the Sherylunker truck. And they took her off. Well, While we're sitting there and taking care of the fish before they get there, me and the tournament director are looking at the pictures. They were like, well, we ha- you held her the same way. And it's odd she come off the same dock. So we got to compare our pictures. And the pictures match exactly. And when I say that, lateral lines match. There's a dark scale behind, about mid-lower mid, mid, mid lower body bolt, just below the lateral line that matches. There's a sore above her side fin that matches. Uh, the tail mark, you know, that can match on a couple of different fish, but tail mark was pretty close to matching. But they took her off. I ended up yeah, weighing 28 more pounds again that year. Winning the tournament again. Well, I had an outdoor rider out of Nacogdoches called me and wanted to interview about it. So I gave him an interview and he sent the pictures to a biologist, buddy of his. And the biologist looked at it and he's like, Yeah, that's the same fish. He said, Parks and Wildlife won't say 100% the same fish because they don't have the DNA evidence. But that's 100% in my mind, the same fish because of the markings. And she went four and a half miles back and I caught her.
0: Two two years in a row, which was crazy. That's insane, dude. Bass are it's it's insane that like I I can't even wrap my head around that you did that, you caught that same fish twice um in the span of a year and five days like that's insane. It is. It's it's
1: bass. I guess there's studies that go either way to say they stay in an area, release really them, they go back to where they were. Well, I know they'll travel four and a half miles back to their home spot. This one did anyways. They're very instinctive. They, I don't know if they've got certain sounds that they can key in on because sound travels better underwater, you know. So I don't know if there's certain sounds they can key in on and make it back to it, or if they just roam randomly until they find it. I, I don't know. I, I've never gotten in that that deep of a study, but for her to make it back a year and five days later, me catcher was
0: astronomical odds, is what I would say. Yeah, I mean, definitely. The um, I remember watching a YouTube video a while back where it's like, I feel like they were like the bigger fish always find home. They always go to like where they're comfortable at. So it's interesting to see like, this is a real example of like that fish is just like five miles away. No idea where it is. And it just goes home.
1: (laughs) One quick side note on this is that uh, there's actually a, a a badge hanging on the tail of that fish. They give us free plastic replicas. So if we donate the fish to, to share they take the eggs, they, they put them with a female or with a male, they drop their eggs, the male fertilizes it, and then they take and they let us release the fish. And I've got pictures of that I can send you as well. But I, re- I released the fish back in front of the dock uh, back in June. Uh, let's see, of 20, was it 2021 20, still? Yeah. So the classic was in at Ray Roberts and it was out of Fort Worth. Well, they presented our plastic replicas to us on the Bassmaster Classic stage. And I was still torn at the time between whether I was going to pursue the MLF side or if I was going to pursue the BASS side. Well, first thing I did was I went and talked to Gerald Swindle. And he had already pretty much convinced me, but then whenever I stepped out on that stage to receive my plastic replica, I was sold. I knew where I needed to be.
0: Yeah, it's like unreal feeling. I remember Jeff Gussie, we had him on here and like just seeing him walk across that stage, and I was like, oh, that's pretty sweet. It's got to be a different feeling than like any other. I guarantee it. I I, I want to be up there
1: for a different reason. Granted, I got to go up there for this reason, but it was it was phenomenal just for this reason. I can only imagine what he felt like up in up
0: in Tennessee whenever whenever he claimed the classic this year. It's gotta be insane. And another another point I wanted to hit on too. So live down in Texas, fishing tournaments down in Texas. Now you're traveling around to all these different places. I know St. Lawrence River's coming up on your schedule too. Um, I'm going to be up there for a little family trip too. So hopefully I catch a couple fish up there, but how different is it from fishing in Texas to go into a place like the St. Lawrence river? I know you said you have a bunch of different lakes and a bunch of different styles down there in Texas. Is there any lake down there that kind of matches up with the St. Lawrence river?
1: Not even close. We don't have, we don't have real river system lakes here in Texas. If we do, I mean, I hadn't found them, but I've fished a lot of lakes in Texas, but nothing to that even nothing to to the standards of wheeler you know the tennessee river i've i've never had to fish something where there was that much and the turn the the current didn't really start till about thursday or friday because the, i think the wind got right and it wasn't fighting the current uh i was up the river a couple of days practicing and that current was pushing down pretty hard so uh but it wasn't making it wasn't transitioning out into the lake real well so but Thursday, Friday, it started to. Now, St. Lawrence, I'm assuming we can probably double that, maybe triple it on the current amount. I've never done any kind of fishing like that. Uh, I've got, I've got to get up there, spend my time on the water, and, and I understand how the current works and understand where the fish are going to sit up. I, I really just going to have to go spend the time, find the bait, find find the right, just some of the right spots to be able to put some fish in the boat. And I mean, it's not anything that, you know, some people get, let it, in their, get, it get in their head. I'm not going to let it get in my head. I'm, I want, I want to get up there
0: and catch the fish. So I'm going to put even more time into it just to make sure I do. Absolutely. And I, I know I talked to a couple of people and the research that they do before the tournament actually lasts a lot longer than I thought. So how much research are you doing on a lake like that? I know you got one open in between um, and then you got the St. Lawrence River, but like leading up yeah. to a tournament like that, I man, what, what kind of research are you pulling?
1: man every evening if i'm not fishing a a local derby or something like that here close or on the weekend if i've got extra time it's sitting in my recliner watching youtube or or on google maps google earth pro and just i don't put too much merit into fishing reports and things like that because you never know if it's the right thing or not videos are kind of hard to hide things so yeah you spend some time and mainly it's not I don't do it to locate where anybody was fishing. I do it more the, the fact of lo- to try to figure out what lures, styles, they give you bits and pieces of information about where the bass were set up compared to rocks, boulders, stumps, docks, whatever you're fishing at the time, sandbars, shell beds, just things like that to try to pick up on to, to kind of even break it down some into seasons to know about where they're going to be. And from that, I mean it's it's pretty much all your extra time is is spent researching just to just to try to get a little bit of a leg up and learn more because I am at a little bit of a deficit, not knowing much about you
0: know, river system lakes. Yeah, absolutely. And I can only imagine the amount of notes you have and the amount of time you spent on Google Earth. It's... A lot of notebooks. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Cool, Danny. Um, let's wrap this up here. I always like asking people. Yeah, um, what's your PB large mouth and uh PB small mouth? I assume the large mouth is the 13 pounder you caught, but I'm not sure. Does it, Texas- is, it is my personal best large mouth is 13, 1307 and I
1: caught a Lake Palestine just down the road. My personal best small mouth was a little over four and a half pounds and I caught her out of uh Cherokee last year, during the open, during practice, of course, not during the tournament. Huh. So yeah, it's a little over four and a half. But I'm hoping to break that by at least a pound,
0: maybe a pound and a half come July. Yep, yeah, absolutely. I've I've seen some some videos about the St. Lawrence River, so hopefully you can get up there and do that. The um last thing here is I want to give you the floor to shout out any social medias, um, any website or where people can basically check out your story and follow you along um as you excel through your career.
1: All right. Yeah. I mean it's pretty it's pretty simple. Like I said, uh YouTube, I've got I'm probably going to find somebody like you that can handle the YouTube side of the things uh, do some editing, but the YouTube, the Instagram and the Facebook, the Facebook book is updated mostly most of the time because I'm an older guy and I got to learn some of this stuff, but it's all under Danny Ramsey Fishing. Awesome. All three of them will be.
0: Cool. I'll, uh, I'll link all that in the description and good luck on your upcoming tournaments here and definitely want to check in with you down the road. After the season, possibly get a nice season recap for you and how you did. Now we can kind of see that'll that work, Eric. That. yeah, man. I really appreciate you asking me to come on. I I enjoyed it absolutely, man. Appreciate the time. You bet, man. You just listened to the Fishing Fanatics podcast with your host Eric Stewart. Feel free to check out our other podcasts and our other interviews on our channel on Spotify, YouTube, and much more. Check out our Instagram, page, TikTok, and Facebook at well.